We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Red Sox Review on WEEI. All right, welcome in. We are with you until midnight. Brian Barrett, 617-779-7937, the number. What is your reaction to another Red Sox loss as they now drop three of their first four games? It feels kind of weird to me, the position the Red Sox sit in right now, because now I'll get into Brazier and the horrible pitch he made to Javi Baez a little bit. But the big issues we had with this team coming into the season, it had everything to do with the pitching staff. And I guess to a lesser degree, the defense. The defense has been good. It came into tonight, three defensive runs saved, which was tied for fourth at all of Major League Baseball. So the defense has held up so far this season. Brazier notwithstanding, and Diekman in the first game on Friday, he was tremendous on Sunday Night Baseball. The bullpen has, had, has held up. The starting pitching has been pretty good. But the one thing we thought coming into the season that you could guarantee and say, yeah, this is definitely going to be great, is the offense for the Red Sox. And the offense for the Red Sox has not shown up in really any of these games. Yeah, I get it. The first game against the Yankees on Friday, you score the three runs in the first inning, but then the bats kind of go quiet. Same thing happened on Saturday. You didn't generate much offense after the first inning of that game, or the second inning of that game, I should say. And even yesterday, yeah, you got the late home run from Bobby Dahlbeck to give you a 4-3 to lead, but really, in that particular situation, you didn't generate a ton of offense either. And if you now look at it on the season, this was a team that came into the year that we expected to absolutely mash. You looked at this team on paper, and we were saying this could be one of the best offenses in the league. It was them. It was the Blue Jays. It was the Dodgers. The Red Sox, from a talent perspective, are in the family photo of the best offense in all of Major League Baseball, and they just haven't shown up, especially tonight. You get this kid on the mound, Matt Manning. Last year, 14.8% strikeout rate. That was 135th of 141 starters to throw at least 80 innings. Average exit velocity, 91.4, This guy did not strike out anybody last year, and he gave up a ton of loud contact. The Red Sox could do nothing with that guy tonight. You look at him on the night. Six innings, one earned run, one hit. The only hit he gave up tonight was to J.D. Martinez. This guy absolutely sucked last year. He was absolutely atrocious. And look, I get it. He's a young pitcher. Maybe he matured a little bit. But that's no excuse for a team that is supposed to be one of the best offenses in the sport. And I get the fact that you don't have Trevor Story tonight. That's one guy. You still had Devers. You still had Bogarts. You still have Kike Hernandez, who is now 0 for 17 to begin the season. So it's 
really difficult for me to get super fired up about the Red Sox losing this game to the Tigers because it's not the issues that we thought the team was going to have coming into the season. We're four games in. Eventually, these guys are going to hit. But how often are you going to get pitching like you've been getting over the first four games? Now, Brazier notwithstanding tonight, but if you look at it in terms of the first four games you've played in from a Red Sox perspective in terms of what this pitching staff has done. First game, non-extra innings, because obviously the Yankees scored in extras. Non-extra innings. The Sox gave up three runs, four runs, three runs, and three runs. They're now one and three on the season. There's no way that if I told you before the season that the Red Sox started off the year and the pitching staff was really good. The starters were good. The bullpen was pretty good, except a couple of hiccups here and there. But for the most part, the bullpen has been good. For the most part, the starting rotation has been good. I, quite frankly, thought Walker threw the ball really well tonight. And Walker is a guy that we didn't have super high expectations for coming into the season. And it's not as if he went deep into the game, but I get why they did it. it. The lineup was turning over for the third time, and you get the lefties coming up, so it makes sense to go to Austin Davis in the bullpen at that particular juncture in the game. But Walker threw the ball really well tonight. The changeup was nasty. Avaldi threw the ball well on opening day. A couple of mistakes, and one of them... It's out of one ballpark in all of Major League Baseball. Hoke, eh, a little wild last night, but at least he kept it in order somewhat. I mean, that was the most disappointing start, I would say, of all of them. Nick Pavetta was fine. I thought that, look, Cora may have left him in a little bit too long in that particular game. The fastball in terms of the velocity was down. But maybe that was part of the perceived problem that this team had coming into the season, that you were worried about the bullpen. You were worried about some of the guys back there. So maybe that's why he left Pavetta out in that game. But for the most part, Pavetta was pretty good in that game. So you have gotten good pitching. So it feels like this is a positive thing in terms of building towards the rest of the season is the pitching staff has actually been good. But at some point, this offense is going to have to show up because we know how competitive this division is going to be. And look, I'm not trying to overreact. We're four games into the season. But the offense has been, quite frankly, absolutely atrocious. They haven't been hitting consistently. They haven't been hitting with runners in scoring position. In fact, you realize that in tonight's game, the Red Sox did not have a runner in scoring position until the ninth inning. Until the ninth inning of the game when Rafael Devers hit that double the opposite way. That's the first time all night, all night, that they had a runner in scoring position. We're talking about the Red Sox playing a guy or facing a guy that had a 580 ERA last season. The Red Sox did not have a guy in scoring position until Rafael Devers doubled in the ninth inning. I don't know how that's possible. With this offense, that should never be possible. So if you look at it on the season, they came into today, and I get it, small sample size. But the point being is this Red Sox offense had plenty of opportunities to win games. Their pitching staff, and in totality, the bullpen, the starters, they have been good enough to win games. And the Red Sox are coming into tonight, 26th in batting average. They are 23 of 133 now on the season. Do the math on that. That is a 172 batting average. 172. Last year, they hit 261. That was third. Third in all of Major League Baseball. This year, they're hitting 172 to begin the season. Now, look, it's not going to stay that way. They're eventually going to hit. But when the hell is this offense going to show up? You look at it, too. I mentioned the fact that they did not have a runner in scoring position until the ninth inning. So now on the season, if you do the math, you add tonight's game. They are now, because you had Bogarts and you had J.D. had those opportunities there in the ninth inning. So if you look at it in the totality of the season, they are now 3 for 28. 3 for 28 with runners in scoring position. So that is 107. 
They're hitting 107 with runners in scoring position this season. They're hitting 172 overall. And last year, they were fourth in baseball with runners in scoring position. They hit 267. This team has got to eventually start to hit. You would think that a breakout opportunity comes tomorrow, get Story back in the lineup as he was making his way to Detroit. And they have just got to have one of those bust-out games tomorrow because this is getting very tiring early on the season. When you have these performances from your pitching staff, you have to execute. You have to be able to come through. Now, speaking of the pitching staff, of course, the one issue that you really had in this game was Ryan Brazier. So if you go and you look at the decisions that Cora made, I had no issue whatsoever when, or I should say earlier, they went with Strom. Sorry, they went with Strom when they took out, of course, when they took out Waka. But Austin Davis, and then you go to Ryan Brazier after that. And I didn't have a problem with them letting Austin Davis, of course, face the lefty to begin the inning because he's been dominant against lefties. I didn't have an issue with him going up there against Meadows to start off that eighth inning because... Then you look at it from, well, if Brazier is the next guy in, it makes sense to let Davis face Meadows because Meadows clobbers righties 251, 871. He hit just 198 last year against left-handed pitching, so it meant, made sense to leave Davis in there. But then you got a guy like Brazier coming in. And look, Brazier is somebody that limited opportunities last year because of the injuries, but Brazier just gives it up to Baez. I mean, you're talking about a 2-2-4 seamer, 93 up in the zone. Javi Baez swings at everything. And look, he actually took a walk in the first inning. I've never seen the guy so disciplined in my damn life. But Javi Baez swings at 46.6% of pitches out of the zone in 2021. That was 130th out of 132 qualified hitters. Why are you giving him something to hit up in the zone like that? He's going to absolutely clobber it. You have two strikes on the guy. You can get him to chase. The history of Javi Baez is he chases pitches out of the zone. He strikes out all the time. He swings at a million pitches out of the zone. And Ryan Brazier serves one up to him. I mean, that just cannot happen. You cannot execute like that. You have to be able to know your opposition and execute the game plan that you come into with. There's no way you should throw one in the strike zone to Javi Baez with two strikes. Make him chase. One thing with a full... Count, but when your fastball isn't good to begin with, don't throw a 93-mile-an-hour fastball up in the zone to Javi Baez. Just quite frankly, it's not acceptable. you got to execute there. Now, Ryan Brazier blew it there, obviously. The bigger story is that the offense has not shown up, but Ryan Brazier's got to be better than that, bottom line. If he's going to be one of the guys that Cora's relying on in this bullpen, he's got to be better than that. You cannot throw Javi Baez a fastball up in the zone like that. Throw it in the dirt, he'll swing at it. Throw him a slider. I don't know why he's not going to a slider there. When his fastball, clearly he doesn't have any velocity on it right now. All right, let's uh, check in with Alex Core, who spoke with the media after the game. The first two sliders to Javi, although he swung and missed, the other one was a ball. They weren't great. Then, and we went to the fastball four times in a row, you know, and uh, that one, although it was above the strike zone, it feels like Javi was just trying to beat him to the spot, and he didn't. I think he, his fastball played better than expected. You know, uh, he was getting on you. He, he has pl plus extension, and then velocity start picking up. And uh, you know, when you see us hitting fly balls and fouling off fastballs up in the zone, is that you know the, the fastball was getting on you. They did an amazing job. You know, we didn't hit too many balls hard. We didn't do too much offensively. JD with the big, big swing, and then Rafi at the end. But uh, you know, overall offensively, we didn't do too much. I know it's only been. Uh, 
I mean, surprised, but if, if this is what we're talking right now, we should be fine, right? Uh, I mean, we pitched well, they scored three. Um, I, I believe we're going to score runs, you know. Um, just a matter, to be honest with you, slow the game down now, you know, and, and don't try to do too much. Just put a, put good at-bats, start putting good at-bats. Like Johnny, right, his first one, 3-2 count, try to go the other way. Meadows made a great play. Doogie put some, he put some good at bats today, so I think it's just don't get caught up on the results, you know. Just get back to to the process, and you know, like we did with uh, Cole and Severino, you know, just fight at bats and keep going and get to the bullpens. And uh, if we do that, we should be okay. It was good, really good. Um, the first inning, you know, the walks he doesn't do that that often. Then the walk to Barnhart right at the end, and the where we were set up. You know, we went to the lefties, and you know, we mix and match with them. But uh, overall, his stuff played, and you can tell. You know, he knows how to pitch. You know, I'm just glad that he's pitching for us. Encouraging uh, eating by Barnes there. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was a fastball there, right at 95, which is good. The breaking ball played, good pitches on scope. Miggy didn't hit the ball hard, so uh, I was joking. He hasn't seen the, seen the sixth inning since the All Star game, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, for him to go out there and, and pitch, it was a good sign. On Trevor. Trevor is here in Detroit. You know, he feels weak. Uh, hopefully he can come here tomorrow, get him moving around. Not sure if he's going to play tomorrow. We're trying to shoot for uh, the last day of the, of the series. Do you think the uh, turnaround from last night played a role today at all? Or? Nah, nah, I think the turnaround by that kid, you know, yeah. he pitched a little well. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, um, he, he did an amazing job. Uh, Getting ahead with the fastball, expanding with the breaking ball, and finishing off with fastballs away to lefties. Second time around, you know, he started off with all speed and then used the fastball alphabet. So, you know, this is not about the traveling, whatever. It's more about that that guy pitching and, and the guys that came in. They did an amazing job. Are you going to have to be patient with Trevor? You know, he hasn't had a lot of swings. Basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, that was the plan, anyways. And now we get the setback. So, you know, we'll we'll get him ready. We'll get him ready and we'll get him going. And he's going to be a, a big factor for this offense. All right, that was Alex Gore after the game. If you want to react to anything the manager said, you certainly can. The number is 617-779-7937. Again, that number is 617-779-7937. So you heard him talking about the Ryan Brazier situation, and that's really the big difference in the game in terms of Brazier's inability to make a pitch there. But other than that, the pitching staff has held up. Austin Davis, I thought he threw the ball well tonight, and Davis's velocity's up. Rob Bradford told us that during spring training that the – Velocity on his fastball, he's hitting 96 and 97 at spring training. He's throwing over 95 miles an hour tonight consistently when he's at 93.6 miles an hour a year ago. So he was good. If you look at it in terms of Matt Strom, again, he was good. He was good last night as well. We all know what Deekman did last night. He was downright outstanding. Robles has been good in his two outings so far this season. So for the most part, the pitching staff has held up. It's the offense that just has not shown up whatsoever. I don't know what the hell is going on with this group. Now, I get it. Garrett Cole, you got after him early. Luis Severino, you got to him a little bit. And then you got to Montgomery. Of course, Bogarts hit him with that line drive as well. So in the most in most of these games, the Red Sox have been getting after the starting pitchers. Tonight was the difference, right? I mean, you think about it. They got to Cole a little bit. They got to Severino. They got to Montgomery a little bit. Finally, they had a home run. Or finally, they scored a run off one of those Yankees relievers. But for the most part, it's been, okay, at least the Red Sox are getting ahead early in these games, and they can't hit late. But tonight it was the whole thing. None of these guys. And Kike Hernandez, it looks like right now that's a guy that's pressing. And look, he's going to stay in the leadoff spot for a significant amount of time. He was there for the majority of last season as well. 
But if you look at Kike Hernandez, maybe he's putting a little bit too much pressure on himself. This is another guy that, remember, is in a contract here. And think about the guys that are hitting behind him. Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, when Trevor Story's in the lineup, and Alex Verdugo, that group of players. So Kike's job is not a very easy job. You have to get on base in front of those guys. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe Kike Hernandez right now is just pressing because if you look at it in totality, he does he's second on the team in hard hit balls so far this season coming into tonight. He had five hard hit balls. Actually, he has the most hard hit balls on the team. The ball's off the bat at 95 plus miles an hour. So eventually it's going to come for Kike Hernandez. And Verdugo's gotten off to a good start. Did not have a particularly good game tonight. But overall, I just can't believe that we're at this spot with this team. Look, it's only four games in. I get that. I don't want to go nuts at the fact that the Red Sox are unable to hit. Like tonight, it wasn't they weren't executing when they had opportunities. They just weren't hitting in general, which is the most aggravating thing about this game in particular tonight. It wasn't just, okay, well, the Yankees series, you can look back and you can see specific situations where they just did not come through with runners in scoring position and they didn't add to the lead. You think about the game on Saturday against Severino, right? In that fourth inning, Verdugo singled off Severino and that was the end of the day for Severino. They go to the pen. Trevor Story then took a walk. So you think you're cooking with gasoline there in the fourth inning and you think essentially you're going to knock the Yankees out of that game and you're going to hammer the Yankees. But then what happens after that? They can't add on a run. Dahlback goes down on strikes. Jackie Bradley Jr. grounds into a fielder's choice. And then Vasquez goes down on strikes. So you had a golden opportunity to basically just end that game, even the series at one-to-one. The moment was there for you in the fourth inning. You couldn't do it. The same thing can be said about the first game of this series, or the first game of the Yankees series, I should say, when the Red Sox had plenty of opportunities. You go back to the first inning. The Red Sox could have really knocked the Yankees out of that game in the first inning. And I understand they scored three runs off Garrett Cole. Yeah, I know. But after that, what happens? J.D. doubles to make it a 3 to nothing game. Verdugo grounds out. Story gets underneath the slider. And Dahlback goes down on strikes. So you had J.D. Martinez doubled. It's now a 3 nothing game. And you don't add another run on after that. Fourth inning, Alex Verdugo singles to start off the inning. Can't get a run there. Fifth inning, Vasquez singles to start off the inning. Can't score after that. How about the tenth inning? After Bogart singles... He makes it a 5-5 game, or excuse me, a 5-4 game at that particular point in time. But then, J.D. grounds into a double play on a 2-0 count. On a 2-0 count, he grounds into a double play, and he ends the inning because Kike Hernandez had started the inning off with a strikeout. So when you just add all these things up, missed opportunities in game one and game two against the Yankees, you had traffic in those games. Tonight, you just couldn't figure out this guy, Manning, who was absolutely atrocious last year. Now, I give the guy credit. His stuff was... Seems significantly better tonight than it was last season for him. I mean, he had the Red Sox off balance, but I mean, it wasn't one of these things where he was missing a ton of bats. 34 swings for the Red Sox against Manning. They whiffed on just 16 of them. That's 18%. I mean, this is kind of the type of pitcher he is. He's the type of pitcher that pitches to contact. He's not going to strike many guys out, and the Red Sox just could not figure it out. They could not figure this guy out. They could not barrel him up, and this is why we're sitting here after a 3-1 to loss to the Detroit Tigers when you have a pitching staff that I give them credit. Outside of Brazier's mistake tonight, you can't throw a fastball in 93 miles up in the zone with two strikes to a guy in Javi Baez that chases everything. You can't do that. I'm not defending Ryan Brazier. I mean, that's inexcusable. But in totality, this game again is on the offense. Yeah, Brazier gave it up, but this game is on the offense. You cannot be in a situation where you don't have a runner in scoring position until the ninth inning inexcusable 
617-779-7937 is the number. Let's get to Alex in Connecticut. What's up, Alex? How are you, my friend? Doing okay, Brian. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, so here we go, 2022. And, um, you know, it's, but we're, you know, the hitting's bugging me. But you know what really got to me over the weekend? And it didn't take long. It was the second game in. So sitting in, I'm thinking, oh, here we go again with, with the old Bobby Dahlbeck. We're going to go through the whole experiment again. And what am I looking at? Dahlbeck, Bradley, and Vasquez, who with the bat has been regressing the last two seasons. I mean, if you cannot have these three guys at the bottom of, of the lineup and Vasquez coming up in key situations, not coming through. I mean, we cannot have these three guys at the bottom of the lineup. We just can't. Yeah, the Jackie Bradley Jr. thing is, look, I, I don't know how much longer they're going to be able to play him out there. Now, Alex. He 163 last year. 163. I know. <laughs> I know. And Alex Cora said this is going to be a straight platoon situation. And here's what I'd say. If this is a situation where they feel comfortable with Arroyo out there, and I know they think he's a really good athlete, et cetera, but I felt like he got some bad reads last night, so maybe they're just trying to ease him in, work him in slowly into this thing. I just don't know if you can be playing Jackie wow. Bradley Jr. every time that a right-handed pitcher is on the mound. His yeah, batting average last Alex, you mentioned his I mean, batting I average. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry, Dad. Yeah, his batting average. No, I'm just thinking, like, why are we going after a guy like – I mean, i got so many things popping through my head. Why are we trying to, you know, signing a guy like Story – who hasn't, you know, has been playing in Colorado, and we're, we're going to sign that guy when, you know, we've got two guys that we, we should sign here at home, and here's, here's a guy that we're, we're, we're uh, you know, that we're signing when we could have had Arroyo, who really had pretty good year last year. All in all, I would have liked to have seen Arroyo get second base this year and put him in, you know, game in and game out and see what he gives us. Instead of spending $125 million, we could take those dollars and at least try to sign uh either Devers or, uh, you know, or Xander. Yeah, but I don't think those things add up to it. Like, Alex, I don't think they didn't sign Devers to an extension or Bogarts to an extension because they signed Story. I think their idea with Story is, well, if Bogarts does live in free, leave in free agency, we can move him over. Plus, he's a good bat. And I don't think it's going to prohibit them from paying Devers what eventually would cost to get that deal done. I don't, I don't think the two things are – I don't think they said, okay, we get story. That means we're not giving money to Bogarts or Devers. So I don't think that adds up. Yeah, I hope you're right because, you know, Hein Bloom, you know, he, he really did not come through at the, uh, at the last minute, you know, for this team last year. And you know what? It would have gone a lot better this year if, if we had a championship off of last year. I could have put up with a lot of frustration this year. But not seeing him come through last year – yeah, I'm afraid with, with this guy going forward because this isn't Tampa Bay. And I'm sorry I cut you off before, but if you could continue. What were you saying about Bradley Jr., who, you know, I love the guy personally. I'm always in favor. But the guy can't hit. Yeah, Alex, I was just saying, and I appreciate the call as always. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. I just look at Jackie Bradley Jr. last year. His batting average last among players with at least 400 plate appearances. His on-base percentage last among players with at least 400 plate appearances. Slugging percentage last among players to get at least 400 plate appearances. I just don't know how often how you're going to be able to survive. Like, the lineup should be good enough to overcome one guy at the end of the lineup. But he does bring up a good point. Vasquez did not hit last year. His offense has been going in the wrong direction after he showed power for two years in a row. The short in 2020 season, and of course in 2019. Remember, at times in 2019, Core was DHing him, and last year, I mean, the bat was just not there for Christian Vasquez anymore. Vasquez last season, 
He had just a 352 slugging percentage, 153rd out of 161 hitters with at least 450 plate appearances. So he doesn't have any power anymore. The Dahlback thing, I'm giving Dahlback time. He made some adjustments in spring. He hit the home run last night. So I'm fine with Dahlback playing first base every day. I know he's out of lineup tonight. I have no issue with that. But the Jackie Bradley Jr. thing, I know that Arroyo last year, he didn't hit righties either, but he didn't really get a ton of plate appearances, right? 181 plate appearances last season, a career high. Yeah, he clobbered lefties, 329, 885 OPS, righties, 213, 685 OPS. But I just look at Arroyo, I'd like to give him more opportunities. So if they are truly comfortable with him playing in right field every day, I just assume make him the everyday right fielder. Why does Jackie Bradley Jr. need to be in the lineup? That, to me, just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And it's not as if they traded... Jackie Bradley Jr. for Hunter Renfro. That's not what happened. The main piece of that trade is Alex Benellis, who is a minor leaguer. We had him on the Bradfoe show the other day. So don't be so uptight about, oh, Hunter Renfro is gone. Jackie, Bra-. that's not what the deal is. They didn't want to pay Hunter Renfro long time, long term. They didn't think he was a fit. He was an overrated defensive player. And all Red Sox fans were complaining about that guy in the postseason. People thought he shouldn't be in the lineup because he sucks so bad in the postseason. So the same guy that people were complaining about, they're now upset that he's gone. So I didn't have a problem with getting rid of Hunter Renfro. But right now, if you feel comfortable with the Royal playing in right field, I would just play him every day. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. All right, so are you concerned about this team going forward, or are you more optimistic because the pitching staff has been good? That's where I'm at. I feel good because the pitching staff has been good. I'm just waiting for the offense to wake up. So how concerned are you with this team right now? 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight here on EI. Everything Boston Red Sox. This is Red Sox Review on WEEI. All right, Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. How concerned are you with the one and three start for your Red Sox? The only thing that I have an issue with is the fact right now that this offense, quite frankly, has not been... T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Up to what we expected it to be. And then secondarily, you're losing games right now. You lost two of three to the Yankees. So those are division games. And you look back at these games. And I, I know you say, well, Brian, we're only four games in. Yeah, but these are the games you need to win. These are the games you need to win. You have an opportunity to go in there. 
your starting pitcher, Michael Walker, threw the ball well. Strom came in. He threw the ball well. I thought that Austin Davis threw the ball really well. Yeah, Brazier gave it up. But for the most part, Matt Barnes actually threw the ball well. The velocity is still down on the fastball. But when you've got this type of pitching over the first couple of games of the season, the first four games, these are the games that the Red Sox should need, that should win. I mean, these should be layups for this offense, and it just hasn't come through that way. One of the things I'll point to in terms of the offense is, and look, this was something the Red Sox do a lot of. They did a lot of it last year as well, and they were still in the lead offense. But it's getting kind of ridiculous, the amount of pitches they're swinging at out of the zone. Right now, it's at 37.2%. That's 28th in baseball behind or in front of only Washington and Miami. 37.2% of pitches they're swinging at outside of the strike zone. Now, last year, they were down on the food chain as well when it came to that, although the chase rate was a little bit better, actually, when Schwarber came over. The walk rate went up as well. But if you look at the Red Sox last year, they were at 33.7%. So that's still a high number. But we're talking about this year, 37.2%. So you're up nearly 4% from where you were a year ago. They have got to be more disciplined. So maybe it's just everybody wants to get going offensively and guys are expanding the strike zone too much, but they have got to be more disciplined. A guy like this tonight, especially him, Matt Manning, this is a guy, make him come into the strike zone because he is not going to be able to beat you in the strike zone. He did not strike people out last year. He didn't really strike anybody out tonight. I mean, if you look at it in terms of the totality of his outing, it wasn't like he was getting a ton of swing and misses. He had two strikeouts on the night. That's it. Two strikeouts for Matt Manning. And if you look at it in terms of just pure swings and misses, just six whiffs on 34 swings, that's 18%. It's just they have got to be more disciplined and make him come to the strike zone so you're not getting weak contact. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to David in the car. What's up, David? Hey, Brian. How you doing? Good. How are you, Dave? Good. Uh, Once again, uh, Sox offense comes out flat-footed to start the season off. It seems to be a uh, seems to be a foregoing problem with these Cora teams, and uh, all of these wins have to be made up at the end of the season. You know, I just thought that there would be a little bit more sense of urgency to get off to a good start this season. Yeah, I'm with Especially you, Dave. With the way the offense ended in the playoffs. Yeah, look, I'm with you, Dave, for the most part, and I appreciate the phone call. His line's open if you want to grab it at six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. See, in 19, it was everything that went wrong at the beginning of the season for the Red Sox. Remember that whole thing about, like, the pitchers were not ready. They were easing them in because they were coming off the World Series. 2020, you kind of throw that one out. But this year, it feels like everything else is on track. The defense, and Alex Cora mentioned this multiple times in spring training, that the defense was better. They were working on things to get the first step better for Bogarts and with Rafael Devers. And Devers, quite frankly, now Devers is hitting, but Devers has been fantastic in the field. The Red Sox in general have been fantastic in the field, so the defense has been there for the most part, with a couple of exceptions. Jake Diekman on Friday, even though he was unreal on Sunday Night Baseball. I wanted to talk about that more tonight, but now we're talking about a loss for the Red Sox. But Diekman was really good last night, but he was not good, of course. He hits DJ LeMahieu with that slider on Friday. I I feel really good about Diekman after watching him last night. And then Brazier tonight, that's really only the two pitching performances that you look at and you say that was underwhelming. For the most part, the pitching staff has been good. So the pitching has been good. The defense has been good, which those are the question marks coming into the season. They're just not hitting. Let's get to Chris. Chris is in Reading. What's up, Chris? Oh, Chris in Framingham. What's up, Chris? Sorry, Chris. No, it's Chris in the limo, Brian. Oh, what's up, Chris? Hey, no swearing tonight, man. Oh, I was just going to apologize for <laughs> my call with 
the guy whose father died at an inappropriate time. Oh yeah, that guy. Uh, that like guy was something else. We were we were all losing our minds for that last fifteen minutes of the show. So I deeply apologize. I know the rules. I've been calling in for years, and uh, just on that point, you just said uh, I got to watch Sunday Night Baseball last night. I'm usually in the car listening to you and listening to the games, and boy, they're swinging at everything outside the strike zone. Yeah, it's really terrible. Uh, to watch, I listen, and you don't get that visual of how bad they're swinging. Yeah, and... it's a lot of chase. It's a lot of stuff out of the strike zone, and and when it, like when you do that, I mean, you like tonight. It's not like they were striking out a lot. It's not like they. It's not like this guy was blowing it by him. They just not. They're not making solid contact. And Devers through the through the shift, he gets a nice uh, base hit there in the late innings, and then they do nothing with it. It's just I agree with you. Uh, when you first uh, well, when I first tuned in, how you said uh, Kiki's pressing. I think they're all pressing. I think they're all really trying to, you know, be the hero and get things going, and it's it's not working out. And like the previous caller just said, a, a nice fast start would be nice. It seems like every year they they you know they start off in quicksand and they turn it around. The pitching has been tremendous. It's a nice surprise. Yeah, I'm with you on uh, that. That kid last night, that kid last night that uh, shut things down. Uh, I didn't even know who he was. And it's oh, like, Cutter oh, Crawford. Boy, here we go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's got good stuff, Chris. Hey, appreciate the call, and don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. It happens all the time. Don't worry about it. That you swore. Who cares? It's all right. We had good people on it. We dumped it. Don't worry, buddy. You don't have to apologize. It's all good. But when you look at tomorrow's game Tyler Alexander's on the mound for Detroit this guy is not good okay he's another guy that gets hit hard just a 19.3 percent strikeout rate that's 19th out of 129 pitchers to throw at least 100 innings he does not get hit hard now Alex Cora said hopefully they'll get story back in the lineup on Wednesday I hope he's back tomorrow because this guy 783 opponents OPS against righties at a 272 opponents batting average they need Trevor Story who absolutely clobbers left-handed pitching back in the lineup tomorrow. That would be great. But this is a guy that the Red Sox should tee up. Just like the guy they face today, they should tee him up. They have got to tee him up tomorrow. They have got to get back to swinging the bats because this is supposed to be the strength of this team. It's very simple why the Red Sox are one and three. The strength of your team has not shown up. Let's get to Chris in Redding. Chris, what's up, man? Hey, Double B. Why I wish I was calling you to uh, give you a shout of McFarland. McFarland! not. <laughs> I wish we were screaming McFarland. Hopefully this weekend at Fenway we will be. But I'm uh, I'm calling with a question. Uh, it's a question you let off the show with of, of why we're not hitting. I'm wondering if it's because of a shortened spring training or the cold weather or being Brian Barrett, the obscure stat aficionado that you are, if you have some uh, insight of details that may be indicative of, of why we're not hitting. Yeah, I mean, I wish I had something like concrete because some of these other teams that, I mean, they had the same amount of spring training as well, right, Chris? And you got other teams across the sport right. that are hitting. So, I mean, I can't really make an excuse for the Red Sox. My my one thing is this, the number I indicated, they're over 30%, 37% rather, in terms of pitches they're swinging out of the zone. That would be my one thing is they're expanding the strike zone too much. And maybe they all, they're all, they all are pressing because... Look, we hyped up this offense. They talked about all the talent they have on the team. Maybe they're pressing a little bit, especially Kike. I mean, he's 0 for 17. Right, right. I think he puts too much pressure on himself, and I think Cora expects a lot out of him too. And the last thing I'll, I'll leave you with, and I'll hang up, 
I'm wondering if the Red Sox, for both Vasquez and JBJ, if they're waiting for Duran and Connor Wong to really prove themselves in the AAA level, because we know Heim is very high on uh, Connor Wong, and we know Core is high on, on Duran. So I wonder if we'll see them in late May, early June as permanent replacements. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Chris. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. From what I saw with Durant last year, I wasn't impressed. I get it. It was his first year out. But he's not young. He's older than Rafael Devers. So it's not a guy that I'm banking on long term. Like, I'm much more intrigued, of course, with some of the upper tier prospects in the Red Sox organization, the Tristan Cash, this is the world, et cetera. York's not going to be up for a little while. Of course, Marcelo Mayer was just drafted but in totality as it pertains to the Jackie Bradley Jr. situation it's a legitimate question I have in terms of Christian Arroyo if you do feel like he's good enough to play right field why would why wouldn't you play him every day and I know he doesn't have good numbers against righties but guess who doesn't either Jackie Bradley Jr. we know that Christian Arroyo is a more talented hitter he absolutely clobbers lefties why not just let him play every day that's what I'd be doing all right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. Look, maybe part of the reason is they know, like, every once in a while, Arroyo has to give guys days off in the infield. But still, I mean, is it really necessary to have Jackie Bradley Jr. playing every time a righty's on the mound? That, to me, it just doesn't work for me. We know he can't, he's coming off his worst season ever hitting. For Jackie Bradley Jr., who's been a bad hitter, he's coming off his worst season ever. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. We're with you until midnight. How concerned are you with this Red Sox team right now? Or, like, for me, I, I know I'm mad right now. Like, I'm, I'm sure you're irritated after watching the game tonight. But I feel somewhat optimistic because the pitching staff has been really good. The bullpen has been really good for the most part. And like I said, with a few exceptions, Brazier tonight. But I feel pretty good about where this Telesis offense is going to show up. Brian Barrett with you until midnight here on EEI. This is Red Sox Review on WEEI. Back in, Brian Barron with you up until midnight. So if you want to wait on the Red Sox' most recent loss, this time to the Tigers, 3-1, to one, certainly welcome to do so. Are you worried about this team? 617-779-7937 is the number. So just going back to the one issue you have with the pitching staff tonight. So I was not upset that Cora left Davison to face Meadows. Uh, Meadows has horrible numbers against lefties, 198 last year, compared to righties, 251, 871 OPS, 24 home runs. So I had no issue with that whatsoever. Then he goes to Brazier to face Baez. I guess that could be the one critique you'd have of Cora. From my perspective, and I don't know the exact situation of the bullpen, Cora didn't say after the game. Robles pitched on Friday. He pitched on Sunday. I just believe that Robles is a better pitcher than Brazier. So if I was going to go in that situation when you have arguably their best hitter coming up in Javi Baez, I would go to Robles over Brazier because, first of all, Robles has better velocity on his fastball, and he's been a better pitcher over the past, what, since he came over last year in the trade with the Minnesota Twins, he's been a better pitcher than Brazier. Brazier pitched well down the stretch, but not nearly as well as Hansel Robles did. So if you want to critique Cora for something, for me, when the game's on the line, I'd much rather have Robles out there than Brazier. But Brazier, of course, he comes in for Baez. And the issue you have there is 2-2-4 seamer up in the zone, and he only had 93. You, you can't throw that pitch to Javi Baez. I mean... Go back and watch that. Javi Baez is way out in front of that thing. Completely beats him. And it's at the top of the strike zone. I mean, you just served it up to Javi Baez. And the thing about Baez is you can get him out out of the strike zone. Last year, he swung at 46.6% of pitches out of the zone, 130th out of 102 qualified hitters. So when you have two strikes on Javi Baez, 
You have to make him chase. Bottom line, have to make him chase. Do not give him something to hit. And you definitely don't serve him up a fastball at the top of the zone. It's just a bad pitch. It's bad execution by Brazier. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Jonathan. He is in Brookline. Jonathan, what's up, my friend? Brian, I'm perplexed. I'm genuinely perplexed. I have a few (laughs) things to touch on. One, I'm not that worried about Kike Hernandez because when I watch him hit, I feel like he's just an inch He's an inch off every pitch. He's just getting a little bit under every pitch. You see how many times he's flown out? And this isn't only Kike. When I watch this Red Sox team play, you have a guy on the mound that can't control his pitches, and you're giving him one pitch at bat. One pitch at bat. First inning, eight pitches. Kike grounds out. Martinez pops it up mile high. Why can't you work counts against a pitcher who can't throw strikes? Gregory Soto comes into the game. Quickly, Xander is gone. He gets out in front of a pitch, flies out to center off the end of the bat. Why don't you work the count against a pitcher who can't control? Second thing, Jackie Bradley Jr. can't hit. The broadcast on Nesson talks all broadcast about how they're perplexed with the Meadows deal. What I'm more perplexed about is why we gave Renfro to the Milwaukee Brewers for Jackie Bradley Jr. I get he plays a great center field. The guy hit 136 last year. He's an auto out. So when you have the three last guys in your order, as Arauz, Vasquez, and Bradley, when the other guys aren't hitting, you guys aren't going to spark anything. When, yeah. I, when I look at this... Go ahead. Yeah, when I look at this offense... This, this, when I look at sorry, when I look at this offense, the toxic hitters, if they're not hitting, when they're hitting, you can get hits from those bottom three guys. They're not gonna spark the offense. That's just not how this hitting works on this team. And I'm just so done with this. And hopefully this turns around because the pitching staff is carrying this ball club right now. Yeah, the pitching staff has been good, Jonathan. I appreciate the call as always, and I definitely appreciate the passion. He is hot tonight. He is pissed off. A uh, couple of things. I understand the point that you're making about Soto. But the thing about Soto tonight, look, in his career, this guy has not been very good as it pertains to his command. But tonight, nine out of his 11 pitches were strikes. I get it. Like, in terms of if you look at Soto last season, 14.5% walk rate, that was 137th out of 144 qualified relievers. So I get where you're coming from, but he was throwing strikes tonight. You got to tip your hat to that guy. He was actually throwing strikes tonight. So it wasn't like the Red Sox were chasing against him in particular. The Jackie Bradley Jr. thing, like... I still keep coming back to this. The trade for Hunter Renfro was not for Jackie Bradley Jr. Jackie Bradley Jr., yes, came over in the deal. What happened in that particular deal is the Red Sox wanted the prospect. They wanted Alex Benellis, who Bradford and I had on the show on Saturday. That That's who they wanted. He's a third baseman, power-hitting third baseman. That's who they wanted. They did not want to give... Hunter Renfro a long-term deal. They didn't f- feel like he fit in with the organization long-term. Quite frankly, he's an overrated defensive player. Despite all the outfield assists last year, he had zero defensive runs saved. So he's not a great defensive outfielder. And they didn't feel like it was going to work long term. So they got a good prospect for Hunter Renfro. And quite frankly, Milwaukee was desperate because that they had a great pitching staff last year that couldn't hit. So it wasn't Jackie Bradley Jr. for Hunter Renfro. It's Alex Bedellis, and we're not going to see him for a couple of years. That's what the trade was, okay? It's not Jackie Bradley Jr., 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Phil, who's in Connecticut. Phil, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I definitely got a different take, I think, than uh, most people who are calling in. You know, last year, we started off 
0-3 against the Baltimore Orioles, you know, and we finished off a couple games away from, you know, the World Series. You know, obviously we have four teams in our division that are capable of winning over 90 games, you know, so it would have been nice to uh, come out of these first few opening days like 3-1 and one, or at least 2-2. Yeah, and two, well, but, and Phil, you it, know, it's a good point, and, and here is what – Here's where I'm at. So if I look at it, right, so, yeah, I'm aggravated that they're not hitting with runners in scoring position. I'm aggravated that they're not, quite frankly, hitting in general. This team's hitting 117. They're too good to be doing that. But the bigger thing to me is when I look at the totality of this, I believe this team is going to hit. Rafael Devers is hitting already. Verdugo's hitting. But I believe this team is going to hit. There's too many good players. There's too many good offensive players. This team is going to hit. It would be a bigger issue to me right now, Phil, if Waka sucked, if Evaldi wasn't good, if these guys in the bullpen. Now, Brazier was bad tonight. No defending him whatsoever. But Deakman was great last night. Crawford was great. Robles has been really good. So I'd be more concerned if the things that we thought were weaknesses were actually showing up for the Red Sox. And they haven't. Not to mention, Phil, the defense has been good, which nobody expected. I totally agree. I mean, we got our core four, four players, Devers, Bogarts, Martinez, and Story. And then we got their uh, those young guys from the Dodgers, Verdugo and Hernandez. You know, I think they're going to come on. And once they get in a roll, they're going to get on a big roll. So I'm excited for the season. That's All right, hey, Phil, good stuff, man. I appreciate the phone call. And that's, like, why I'm trying to be as aggravated I am is with the offense right now. The bigger picture thing is good right now for the Red Sox. Deakman was outstanding last night. Robles, that's my guy. He's always been good in the Red Sox uniform, except when he tried to start that brawl against the Blue Jays. Other than that, he's been really good. I feel like Strom's thrown the ball well. I was impressed with Davis tonight. Bradfo told me this guy's velocity was way up. And I said, I got to see it to believe it, Bradfo, because the guy threw 93.6 on average last year. He threw like nine pitches over 95 miles an hour tonight. So that's something to look forward to going forward. So I do, do feel better about the bullpen right now. I thought Walker threw the ball really well after the first inning. First inning, uncharacteristic of Walker. He started walking guys, which he doesn't do. It's kind of weird. That's one of Walker's strengths. His control is really good. So in the first inning, he didn't really have it, but then he turned it around. He figured it out. He had a really good change up tonight, too. So I just look at the fact that some of the things like some of the things that we were really concerned about with this team, they've actually been good. They've actually been good. The pitching staff has been good. The bullpen has been good. I mean, look at walk through 26 changeups tonight, 16 swings, seven whiffs, 44 percent of the time guys swung at his changeup tonight. They whiffed in totality, 11 whiffs on 36 pitches. That's 31 percent. That's pretty damn good. He was at 23% last year. So, Walker, I was very impressed with the way Walker threw the ball. After he figured it out after the first inning, he was really good tonight as well. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Spencer and Beverly. Spencer. Hey, my friend. How are you? Great show tonight. Thank you. Um, you're very welcome. I guess I want to have a conversation with you today. I don't want to just rant about everything I feel. I want to just have a quick, you know, conversation with you about this thing. Well, I can do that you know, now that Tuka's point, not right? in the Bruins, right? That's right, Davey. That's over. That's over. Uh, anyways, lost, uh, Trevor Story. Okay, everyone had a lot of hopes for him. I understand it's four games in. He doesn't look right to me. And I don't see I don't see any plate discipline from any of these guys. And when Schwarber came here last year, that's the one thing he taught the staff, patient with account. They're not doing the little stuff, the stuff that Cora is known for, the managing the game and, and maximizing the opportunity. I'm not seeing it thus far. And you're right. But, you know, this team is doing a lot of things we didn't expect right now. But is it kind of fool's gold? 
is a fool's gold because we know we don't. We need another ace in that in that pitching rotation. We need another arm in that bullpen. And quite frankly, you're 100% right about Jackie Bradley Jr. That's the reason. We went out there to get that prospect, and it's a good prospect. It's right. a good one. That was a smart, heady move, but, but you're paying a price now. And the price you're paying is you're going to be lucky if Jackie can hit 200 all year. That guy yeah, is – Yeah, I mean, Renfro's like got one hit. Renfro is one hit. Yeah, he's got, uh, right, but it's an eight-inning game now. Count him getting out three times. Now you're down to eight innings. You're get the it's an eight-inning game. <laughs> an eight-inning game. <laughs> That's a good line, Spencer. i got to give you that. <laughs> but, but hold on. A couple more quick things. They need an arm in a bullpen. They need a closer that you can, that you can feel that you get some confidence but in. you don't like Deakman. I mean, they can come in for a tournament. I know. I thought, I thought last night was, was an aberration. It's not going to be consistent. And when Sale comes back, I love him. He's the heart and soul of that thing. There's nobody I love more than Chris Sale. I love the guy. But the reality is he's not long for the game. He's going to get injured most likely. He's going to pan out. You know, his arm's going to get tired when it comes to playoff time. Let's face it. Here's my last point. All right. They weren't good enough to get out of the ALCS last year, and they were phenomenal. They, they uh, above and beyond expectation. I was there for the Tampa series. It was amazing when they beat them. And they beat the Yankees. That was awesome. But they were two games away. Uh, do you think they've done enough in the offseason, Brian, where they could solidify saying, now we can compete with Houston and we're really a contender going into the series? The answer to that is obviously no. And if Trevor Story keeps going down this road and this team gets into 12 games behind first place, it's going to be a long season. Well, so look, we look that is, say, Spencer, that is a fair point. I appreciate the phone call as always. His line's open at 617-779-7937. Spencer, he's going to find the Red Sox to complain about. Now, he's an uh, anti-Tuca guy, so now he's going to come up with the Red Sox stuff. I appreciate it. I do appreciate that line, too. That is pretty good. you got to give him credit, Justin. It's a pretty good line. It's an eight That was good. That was good. It's an eight-inning game. Now that Jackie Bradley drew. That's a very good line. But in terms of the question about if this team falls behind that he brought up, that is an issue, right? Because right now, okay, we're not overreacting. We're four games into the season. It's going to be okay. The offense is going to hit. But if we do get to a point when we're approaching the trading deadline and the Red Sox are way behind the Blue Jays or way behind the Rays or the Yankees, whatever it is, if it doesn't feel like they're in contention, then you're going to have to have some really tough conversations if you're high Blooming Company as it pertains to Bogarts. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight because the reality is the contract questions are not a distraction unless this team falls on its face and doesn't play well for the majority of the season. That's the only way that's a distraction. If you're winning, it's not going to be a distraction. 617-779-7937, the number. One other thing I do feel good about, I'll tell you what that is next here in EEI. Everything Boston Red Sox. This is Red Sox Review on WEEI. All right, welcome back in. We are with you until midnight. Brian Barrett, 617-779-7937. The number of the Sox, 1-3 after falling tonight to the Tigers. I still do not understand. Nothing I'm complaining about. It doesn't really affect me. But I don't understand why they're playing tomorrow during the day. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. Why the hell are they playing a game on a Tuesday? Like, I get why they're playing Wednesday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon because, of course, it's a getaway day. But why the hell are they playing tomorrow in the afternoon. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. But nonetheless, the Red Sox go down tonight. Difficult loss because of the fact that the offense was just a complete no-show. And the big overwhelming issue with this team so far early in the season has been the fact that they're not hitting. And that's why, to me, like I can't overreact to these losses, right? It'd be one thing if 
Barnes has been sucking and Robles has been sucking and Deakman has been sucking, right? That'd be an in Cutter Crawford wasn't what he thought he was going to be or wasn't what we thought he was going to be as his velocity was way up in spring. That would be an issue. If Pavetta had been bad and Waka had been bad, yeah, that would be an issue to me because these are legitimate questions we had coming into the season. How was the bullpen going to hold up? What was the starting rotation going to look like, especially after those top three guys of Avaldi, Pavetta, and Tanner Houck? I thought Waka threw the ball really well tonight. Like, those, to me, we would be panicking right now, right? We'd be saying they need another starter. They need another arm in the bullpen. But it's been what you expected to be really good has been really bad. And that's why I just can't go nuts and I can't overreact. Look, I'd love them to start hitting with runners in scoring position. I'd love them to start hitting in general. But I can't act as if I'm very concerned about this team long term in terms of the actual offense. Because I know this offense is good enough. To put up 10, 11 runs tomorrow and a guy that's not very good. Like, I can see that happening tomorrow. So I'm not going to overreact to the offense not hitting four games into the season. They'll figure it out. The Red Sox are not one of the worst offenses in Major League Baseball. I think we can all agree on that. So I just have a very difficult time getting pissed off to the point where I'm complaining about the way that the roster is constructed, the way that the lineup is constructed, because I believe those guys will hit. Like I told you, it'd be one thing if it was the other side of things. If the pitching sucked, if the defense was batting, those would be things I'd be concerned about. But the defense has been good and the pitching has been good. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to John. He's in Hudson. What's up, John? Hello, John. Okay, John, we lost you. Let's get to Al. Al is in Boston tonight. Al, what's up, my friend? Uh, hi, Brian. Brian, um, I, I talked to your producer, but it's S-A-L, Sal, not Al. You can oh, okay, Sal, that. sorry about right. that. I th- don't worry about it. It was from last fall was the last time I talked to you. I, I also let him know that I think you're doing a very good job, and what you're saying is all accurate. Thank I have you. a few years on you, and I've seen this Red Sox hysteria for years. There's no question the Sox will hit. There's, undoubtedly, they'll hit. Wait till they come back to Boston and also when it warms up a bit, and we'll have a hit fest. Will it be like last year? I don't know. You know, Kike Hernandez year was exceptional. It may not be as good, but the lineup is too strong, including story and all that. What I'm really happy about is – this year may be proving how lucky we are in a way to have Hayne Bloom. He's an exceptional judge of talent. There's no question in my mind that he can. It's not just rehab projects. He just is. And this, this poses well for the future for the Red Sox to be able to, in a sport that is so difficult, baseball's a difficult sport, to be able to pick out Who's who, who we can tweak and whatever. He's got it, and he's got it all, and that's why they have him. So I'm glad for that, and I think the prognosis is good for this year. There's no question in my mind. The Sox will bash. There's no doubt about that. The pitching has been good. Today, who knows? Maybe that, that, that pitch, he wanted to throw a little bit higher, and it was off a little bit. But anyways, it's only four games. The sky's not falling, and the Sox will do well. I'm not saying they'll win it but they'll be okay, and it's going to be everybody's uh, – the four teams in the East will just keep eating, eating each other alive. It could be any one of us, Toronto, the Jays, the Tampa, the Yankees. That whole thing's going to happen. But with that, I'm going to let you go, and uh, the next time I talk to you, hopefully it's a little bit warmer. It's into spring a little bit more, and when, the, when they get home, 
will stop seeing their hitting. That's what I believe will happen. All right, Sal, appreciate it, my friend. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. Yeah, and the other thing you got to look at, too, is the Yankees are going to have their time where they struggle. And right now, by the way, the Yankees down to the Jays, 3 to nothing. The Jays are going to have a time where they struggle, and the Rays are going to have a time where they struggle. And right now the Rays are losing 13-2. to They swept the Orioles to open up the season. So everybody's going to have these, like, hiccups in their schedule. They're going to have rough patches, et cetera. I'm not going to overreact to the fact that the offense hasn't been hitting because of the fact I know these guys are going to hit. I know Xander Bogarts is one of the best offensive shortstops in the game. Devers has been hitting. Verdugo has been hitting. J.D., the home run tonight, of course, had a hit on opening day as well. So I know these guys are going to hit. Let's get to John. He is in Hudson. John, what's up, man? Hey, Brian. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Um, so, I mean, I'm not too too concerned about these few losses so far, again, because they've been, you know, once they start hitting, they should be fine. And, and they're probably cold, and it's cold up here, and it's cold wherever, you know, where they're playing. So it's 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 expected, but I am concerned that that Bloom just didn't really do very much this off season with the pitching staff. I really think that he should have gone out and got uh, a good um, good starting pitcher, good good bullpen depth, because that's really what it takes to 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 win in the playoffs. And he just didn't do that. I mean, there's there's really a lot of concerns about Sale and his health and how much he's going to be able to give you this year. And uh, and with Tanner Hawk, I, I think he's got talent, but I've never seen him pitch well for more than three innings at any given start. So I, I just question whether any of these starters are really going to give you much more than three, four, or five innings any every single start. And that's just going to tax the bullpen uh, over a 162-game season. And I just don't think the bullpen's strong enough to, to be able to handle that, and it's going to be really exposed over 162 games. I think, you know, there, there were starting pitchers they could have gone out after, like Robbie Ray, I think he signed for about $115 million. They went and spent $140 million on on um, Trevor Story, which I don't know if that was necessary. And, and I also feel like they probably did that just so they could let Bogarts walk and not have to pay him and, and have something to fall back on. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what ends up happening after this year. So I, I just think they, they really should have done more with the uh, the pitching staff. And I really don't trust Barnes. I don't trust Almira. I don't trust Valdez. I don't trust Brazier. I think Brazier is basically just uh, not as good as Barnes. He just His fastball is, has velocity, but it seems like it's just straight, and any, any major league hitter yeah. um, can, can hit it. Yeah, it has no movement whatsoever on it, John. And I appreciate the call. And look, those are certainly concerns that we had coming into the season. If you want to grab his line, you can. It's 617-779-7937. I would have liked them to add a right-handed reliever in the offseason. I mentioned Ryan Tapera. I mentioned Colin McHugh. Rysel Iglesias, that was probably a little bit too pricey. He got $54 million. Even though he's a really good pitcher, that's awfully pricey for a reliever. Uh, a reliever. And Kendall Graven, those are the four guys that I had mentioned in terms of guys that I would have liked the Red Sox to go after. They didn't. I like what we've seen from Deekman so far. I mean, his stuff was absolutely filthy last night. And as it pertains to Robbie Ray, I never felt they were going to get him signed to a contract, a guy that is over 30 years old. That, quite frankly, just doesn't make sense to me. Robbie Ray is a guy that, look, I understand he won the Cy Young last year, but he's not a guy that I look at and say, that guy's a definitive ace. Like, yeah, I get it. He won the Cy Young last year, but you want to sign him to a four-year contract on the other side of 30? Eh, not so much. And the Red Sox teed this guy up multiple times last year. Yeah, he got their number once in a while, but I don't think he definitively changes your pitching staff. Now, the guy that I would want the Red Sox to get if they had an opportunity, 
is Frankie Montas from the A's. That guy's an absolute stud, right-handed power pitcher. He makes a lot of sense at Fenway Park. But here's the thing. I don't see the Red Sox, and Bloom in particular, giving up prospects to make a trade for Frankie Montas. He's going to cost more than it costs for Bassett and for Manaya. Now, Manaya to me, never made sense with this team. That guy does not throw the ball well against right-handed hitters. And I get it. He pitched well the other day at a no-hitter going into, like, what, the fifth or the sixth inning, whatever it was. But he gave up 18 home runs. He had an OPS against at nearly 800 against righties. Look at the division. Judge, Stanton, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, George Springer. It just doesn't make sense to get a guy that doesn't throw the ball well against right-handed hitters. So I was never for the Manaya deal. If Frankie Montas, if they want to give up prospects for him, I'd be in on it. I just don't see Bloom making that type of move. And I do think that ideally... And look, it hasn't affected them, but John makes a fair point. I mean, when we get midway through the season, is this bullpen going to be tired? We saw it with guys last year. We saw it with Mora, then he goes on the IL. We saw it with Matt Barnes. I would argue that he was worn down. So we've seen it with this team before. So I totally understand where John's coming from with that. But I wouldn't be surprised if Bloom decides to add a piece as it pertains to the bullpen as we get closer to the trading deadline, maybe even before that. Because I've always felt the ideal role for Tanner Houck, and you kind of saw it last night, is more of a sprinter, right? Give me two innings. Give me two and a third. Give me two and two-thirds. I'd much rather Tanner Houck be pitching multiple times a week and him being great in those games rather than like last night. His stuff is filthy. Nobody will ever dispute that. But we get to the point where he doesn't know where the hell the ball's going at times. And if he comes out of the bullpen, he's more effective, at least for my mind. Like, that's why I, that's why I feel like the sale injury kind of altered their plans entering the season because I think what they really wanted to do was have the rotation, at least to start the year, be Avaldi Pavetta, Sale, and maybe Sale too. So maybe Avaldi, Sale, Pavetta, Walk a Hill. And then have Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Houck sort of being those bullpen weapons that can roam all over the place, that can give you two innings, that can give you an inning and a third. That's what I felt like was the best use of those two guys, but because of the Sale injury, you can't really do that at this particular point in time. 617779. 793 seven the number. Let's get to Wally in Fall River. Wally! What's up, Brian? Uh, you know, as far as the offense, I mean, uh, the pitching hasn't been bad. We haven't been blown out of games. But uh, you look back at last year, uh, Bobby Dalbach was just the last two months of the season a mirage or what? Then you trade under Renfro for JBJ and his 163 average. So uh, I felt we should have got a pitcher for him instead of JBJ. But uh, the Twins, the Tigers, the Rangers, they all improved a lot. They're not Baltimore, Kansas City. You can't walk over these teams. They've improved quite a bit. But uh, it's just a Swiss cheese rotation and bullpen. You just have to, you know, pray for the best every night. But uh, I think eventually they'll hit. But uh, you look at these long-term contracts. uh, Garrett Cole worth $316 million. Uh, you see how we got burnt really on sale. We got burnt on price. So I can see the Red Sox reluctance. But uh, I don't know what Bloom can do now. I mean, it's a long way to the trade. You, you can make trades now. I wouldn't wait if I was him. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Wally. And definitely there's some concerns. I understand where you're coming from. But with the Bobby Dahlback thing, I think we got to relax on Dahlback. We're four games into the season. He didn't even play tonight. And look, I understand it. A lot of strikeouts to start the season. 
He has he has five strikeouts in his 12 plate appearances. That's, what, about 42%. So, yeah, he's striking out a lot, and that was obviously the issue with him last year. But he did, of course, have the big blast yesterday that gave the Red Sox the win against the Yankees, the would-be game winner, if you will. And Dahlbeck, the last month uh, or the last month or so, the start of August until the end of last season, he hit 288 with a 369 on base percentage, 683 slugging percentage. He had 14 bombs, and he had a 1053 OPS. That's fifth in baseball during that stretch, and that slugging percentage was third. So when you look at it from that perspective, I would like him to get an extended amount of time at first. And even if he isn't your long-term fit, because you have Tristan Cassis, who is eventually going to come up, you want to at the very least get Bobby Dahlbeck's value up so somebody can say, look, there's a 25-year-old power hitter that we can put into our lineup. They can give some pop to our lineup, and he can certainly help us out, right? So I just look at it. I want to give Bobby Dahlbeck an extended period of time. And let him let us see. And he made some adjustments too, right? Let us see if he can be the everyday first baseman. We saw last year that Bobby Dahlbeck, the hit and miss stuff, was clearly there. And it was there for the majority of the season. Now, he got better at the end, but on the year last year, 34.4% strikeout rate. Only Joey Gallo struck out more often. So I understand a lot of swing and miss with Bobby Dahlbeck, but he still did hit, what, 25 home runs last season. And he's made an adjustment in terms of his two-strike approach where he's not striding anymore. Give it some time. At least give it a month or so before you start saying, take Bobby Dahl back out of the lineup. All right, so Justin, you sent me this note. What is it? Renfro has five strikeouts, and Jackie Bradley Jr. has one. Renfro also has one hit on the year. That's it. That's one more than Jackie Bradley, who doesn't have a hit, but he has four more strikeouts. So what what are we really missing here? Yeah, I I know it's like three games in, but what are we really missing? Well, the problem is, like, okay, Renfro, everybody got caught up in him last year because he has an outstanding arm. Nobody's going to dispute that. The most outfield assists in all of Major League Baseball. But the reality is he was an overrated defensive player. Zero defensive runs saved last season. So his defense is not as great as it looks, right? He's a flashy player. It's like he's a highlight reel, but he's not a great defensive player. And look, he hit 30 bombs, right? So you have to replace that in the lineup. The problem is what's happening is... This unfair narrative as it pertains to Heim Bloom is coming out as a, like when we look at this trade. The trade, and I don't know how many times I have to repeat this. I've already said it twice tonight, and we've gotten the reaction of how could you trade Hunter Renfro for Jackie Bradley Jr.? For the last time, that was not the trade. Alex Benellis is the main piece of that trade. He's playing for the Greenville Drive right now. That was the main piece of the trade. He's a top 25 prospect in the Red Sox organization. He was a third-round draft pick in 2021. That's the main piece of this trade. They didn't think that they wanted Hunter Renfro along around rather long-term. So they moved on from him. They got a big-time prospect from the Brewers organization. And part of getting that big prospect from the Brewers organization was taking back Jackie Bradley Jr.'s contract. It was essentially a salary dump. You could take on the money to take on the prospect. It's not complicated. That's what it was. It's not Jackie for Hunter Renfro. And it's funny to me, like all these Red Sox fans last year, I remember during the postseason because I was doing Red Sox review. I remember all the Red Sox fans during the postseason complaining about Hunter Renfro, saying Hunter Renfro sucks and that Hunter Renfro should be out of the lineup because he couldn't hit in the postseason. And now we have the same people that were complaining about Hunter Renfro in the postseason telling us now 
that the Red Sox screwed up getting rid of Hunter Renfro. I don't get it. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. If you do want to weigh in on the Sox, what happened tonight? Are you concerned about this offense right now as they sit at 1-3 and three on the season? Or are you like me? I'm optimistic because the pitching looks good. 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight here on EEI. Everything Boston Red Sox. This is Red Sox Review on WEEI. All right, Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. If you want to wait in the Sox, now dropping to 1-3 and three on the season. How concerned are you right now? 617-779-7937, the number. One thing I did want to get to from a positive perspective is Jake Diekman. So last night he was absolutely filthy. I mean, that was fun to watch. The battle he wins with Aaron Judge did not waver, did not give up, kept going after him. And then he made Stanton and, of course, Gallo look stupid. He threw his sliders last night. He threw he had six swings on his slider, three whiffs, three more called strikes. That's a really good pitch for him. 47% whiff rate on that pitch last season. So guys were missing on nearly 50% of the sliders they swung at against Jake Diekman last year. 31.5% strikeout rate since the start of 19. That's 13th amongst qualified relievers. The one issue with Diekman is he did not have a good spring. And last year, he really had trouble with his fastball, right? And if you look at in terms of the numbers last year, his ground ball rate because of that went way up. It was at, or I should say it went way down. It was at 34.8% last season. And for his career, it's at 479 so this is a guy that gets ground ball outs and he gets a ton of strikeouts. And last year just did not have command of his fastball. The other issue, of course, has been the walks throughout his career. That's something you're going to have to deal with. 13% walk rate, 125th out of 144 qualified relievers last night. But I think what we saw last night is why Bloom went out to get Diekman. He can get out righties and he can get out lefties. And maybe he emerges as the closer. And I know sometimes it's going to be walking a tightrope. And I get it. It's one outing. But I did feel better because that's the one guy where Heim Bloom this offseason. Now, Garrett Whitlock, different conversation because he was under club control for a long time. And they just decided to give him that contract extension, which is a great contract for the Red Sox, by the way. But just as it pertains to Diekman, Strom was you're taking a shot on a guy. Diekman is the one guy that they invested money in in terms of the bullpen. Not that it was a mega deal, two years for $8 million. But they need him to be good, and they need Matt Barnes to be productive as well. Those are the two guys they need in the bullpen because those are the guys making real money. Diekman is making real money. Barnes is making real money. I love Robles. That guy was on a minor league contract, and, of course, he made the team. But Diekman, they need him to continue to pitch, throw the ball the way he did yesterday. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Scott. Scott is in San Francisco. Scott, what's up, man? Ryan, long time no talk. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. I'd be better if the Red Sox are three and one, not one and three. But here we are. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. So you got to do me a favor. You got to stop talking about Robles trying to start a fight. That was so long ago. You bring it up every time. I know. <laughs> it's oh, I just old. love Let's it, Scott. Go. Look, Scott, hold on. I'm a Robles fan. I'm a Robles supporter. I just, I just love that incident. It was just. I, I remember I was sitting here watching the game. And I'm like, what is going on? It's one of my favorite incidents from last year. And even, like, the guys on the team were confused. They're like, what's going on? They didn't even know what was going on. But you look at the guy. He looks like a psycho. Who's going to mess with him? I wouldn't fight him, Scott. That's for damn sure. That guy does look – he's crazy. So so here's a, here's a few things, Brian. I, I'm just 
just objectively looking at this, I'm watching the Red Sox-Yankees, I mean the Yankees-Toronto game right now. So the Yankees are being shut out in the eighth, right? Everything is kind of like momentary in Major League Baseball. It's a long season. Yep. But Waka was horrible last year with Tampa. Am I correct? He was horrible at the be- for the first, like, I'd say his didn't first. We cru- didn't we crush him in the ALC in the uh, first round, divisional round? Yes, they did, but well, I, I'm trying to think back. Did they crush him? Did they get? No, I don't know how much. Wait, yeah, he may like may have in relief, but he was actually good down the stretch of the season. And look, he only threw a couple tonight. But essentially, what they did with him is they cut out his. Ironically, they cut out his cutter. They he stopped throwing cutters really in the second half of the season. So if you look at him down the stretch last year, in terms of so his final 34 and a third innings, 288 ERA, 079 WHIP. He threw 53% fastballs, 13% curves, 31% changeups, just 2.3% cutters. When he struggled, he threw 31.8% cutters at the beginning of the season. So he did figure something out. And quite frankly, Scott, I thought he looked good tonight. You know, I don't think he looked bad. But honestly, just, what is our rotation? Like, who? you got Walker, you got Rich Hill after the first couple of games. Who else is in there with Sale on the shelf besides... Evaldi and I, I, I think Pavetta and Hauk. I think and Hauk. I agree with you. I think Hauk should be in the bullpen. Um, I'm just concerned, uh, Brian. I'm really concerned with this year because I think last year we really everything clicked for us. That was way ahead of schedule, and Kiki played out of his mind late in the year. And that's not who Kiki is all year long. I just don't believe that. But we'll see. And. You look at Walker, you look at Rich Hill, you know, Chris Sale coming back. He's going to, it's going to be what, June, maybe July. You saw what he looked like last year when he came back. We'll see how that goes. Renfro, we talk about Renfro. I get it. It wasn't Renfro for Jackie Brown. I wish they had just said, we don't want Jackie Brown. You can keep him. We'll take that. We'll take that Alex Benayas, whatever his name. Well, I think with Jackie Bradley Jr., Scott, part of the deal was, hey, you got to take on the contract. If you want the prospect, you got to take on Jackie Bradley Jr.'s contract. Yeah, but why do you do that? Because it hinders us with the salary, with the luxury tax. Yeah, but they're already, why does it matter? They're already over it. They could spend more if they wanted to. They're over it. No one likes Jackie. He had his time. It's It's a negative vibe around the team. I don't care how you look at it, bud. I disagree Renfro with that, has, Scott. They, the guys don't dislike Jackie Bradley Jr. I don't think it's a negative vibe around the clubhouse. It's not about the players, Brian. It's Who are you about talking about? The fans, oh. the vibe. The, no one likes the guy. It, 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 he's, <laughs> he, he had his chance. How long did it? You know, he started in 2013 with the Red Sox. The guy's a bum. Yeah, look, hey, Scott, I'm, right. not, I'm not the biggest fan of Jackie Bradley Jr. either, but I—, I I don't look at that as something that's going to hinder where this team goes in 2022. I don't think it stops them from ultimately reaching their goals. At some point, I think he's going to be, he's not going to be in the lineup. I think he's taken up spot on the roster. They should have someone else in there. Renzo had what? 29 home runs, 95 ribbies. I get he didn't play well in the playoffs. Granted, which Barry Bonds didn't for a number of years either, by the way. But, okay, I mean, come on, Scott. Let's not compare no, Barry just, Bonds to Hunter Renfro. I mean, no, come on. We're talking about one of the greatest hitters ever. If you're going to make the comparison, he didn't play well in the playoffs. He had one playoff with the Red Sox, and he didn't play well. It happens all the time. Every year someone steps up like that. He he was phenomenal in the regular season. Defensively, you're right. He was made a lot of errors. He had a great arm. He was flashy. But 
he was a solid bat in the lineup that you got to replace. Story, uh, I, I'm just going down the list, man. I'm, it's been a long off. Well, well, Scott, that's Story? the that's the that's the guy that replaces him in the lineup. It's Trevor Story. It's not Jackie Bradley Jr. They're they're trying to get the production from Trevor Story. I, I'm just concerned, Brian. Tell me what you think about this. I'm concerned right. with Story. You know, he he batted 251 last year. I guess there was some injury concerns. Yeah, it's some elbow Let's issues. Story. Yeah, and and it supposedly it all checked out. They did the MRI and stuff. Yeah. Let's say Story great year but the Sox don't necessarily it's just a bad vibe because bogey knows he's out it, it i i don't know it just sets a weird thing don't get me started on ryan brazier and <laughs> I, I don't know I, yeah I know brazier is bad I, tonight I, I i cora likes brazier way more than i do I, I don't know what their fixation is with brazier i i look i get he had the grade 18 but since then i've never really been impressed with the guy I give Eck credit. Eck kept saying you can't throw it up there. Yeah, I don't know why he did that. Like, I I don't get it. That's a first of all. Why are they calling for that pitch? Why are they throwing a high fastball to Javi Baez? That makes zero sense to me. Well, hey, let me ask you this real quick. I'll let you go, man. I appreciate your time. Um, that that number four pick mayor last when do, when do they estimate he'll be up in the big leagues 2024 20, maybe yeah probably around there these guys come up quicker than you think nowadays scott like the guy that's playing torkelson for the tigers he was their first round pick in 2020 so these guys are coming up sooner rather than later now but yeah but it's Torkel, gonna torkelson was arizona state for a little bit so he's a little older right uh, yeah that's yeah that's a good point so yeah because he played in college maybe that yeah that's yeah that's a good point that's probably part of it but these guys, I mean, Scott, like watching a little bit of Mayor during the spring. I mean, this guy is impressive, man. I'm I'm stoked we got him. So and York, I, Scott I York's another guy. York is very impressive. You know, I, I I was surprised when they took York, and I thought it was that whole salary thing to get another slot because they took that Blaze Jordan. Right. But I this guy's played really well. I I think he's going to be something down the road. So. Hey, I'm not giving up on the season. I, I, I get yeah. it. Sounds crazy. It just it it seems they're flat, right? They seem flat to me. Yeah, and Scott, I think they're pressing. I appreciate the call as always, my friend. Good stuff. His lines open if you if you want it at six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Yeah, it, it that's a fair point. They're flat. I, I think that they're pressing offensively. I think they know that they are one of the best offenses in the sport on paper, and I think these guys are pressing a little bit. I think that's exactly what's happening. This te- There's no way this team should be one of the worst offenses in the sport. That's why I feel somewhat optimistic. Now, as it pertains to the rotation situation, it's going to be Sale and Paxton when Paxton comes back. Those two guys are going to hop into the rotation, and at that point, after Bloom sees those two guys to the rotation, then he can make a decision on whether or not he wants to add another starter or they want to add another guy to the pen. But let's say Sale comes back, and we expect him to come back at the beginning of June maybe, and he's healthy. Paxton comes back somewhere in June as well. And then, okay, maybe you got something there. Maybe you got a, maybe you got a five-man rotation, and then maybe that enables you to take Tanner Helk out of the rotation and use him as more of a bullpen weapon, right? So you got to remember those two things. And I know that Sale, it, look, I, it's very difficult to predict anything with Chris Sale because the guy's always getting injured. Nobody's denying that whatsoever. But you also get Paxton coming back from the Tommy John as well. And then it allows you to use Whitlock and Hulk the way you really ideally should use Hulk. Now, Hulk has an opportunity now. He can prove that he's a starter. I just wouldn't bet on it because I feel like he just loses it way too quickly. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you 
up until midnight. A lot more to get into. So, are you concerned after the 1-3 and three start for the Red Sox, or are you optimistic like me because the things that we were concerned about this team have actually been good? The defense has been good. The pitching has been good. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.